Today we continue our series, uh, a series that we are doing on one of the parables that you find in God's Word. You find this parable in the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not in the book of John because there are no parables that are recorded in that book. The parable that we are looking at and one that I have simply titled Soil Samples. Why are we doing this series? Well, I feel that we are living in a time in our nation in an age when the church is becoming increasingly irrelevant to the daily lives of people that are around us. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ seems to be falling on deaf ears. We are living in a time where truth is mocked. We're living in a day and age where the word of God is uh, expressed as meaningless and to some it's unattainable. In other words, the standards of God's word and the principles that are looked for in a growing life of Jesus Christ, I could never do that. I could never accomplish that in my life, some people are saying. Jesus' words are found in the eighth chapter of the book of Luke, dealing with a parable of the soils in the sower. You and I are called to be sowers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. With the empowerment of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, giving us that boldness and giving us that excitement, we are able to accomplish what God would have us to do as we share the word of God with those that are around us. That we demonstrate principles of holiness and principles of, of maturity in Jesus Christ. That others may see that demonstrated in our heart. That can only be done through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus admonishes us that you and I should not be judges of the soil that we are surrounded with. But we must be the sower that we are called to be. There was a young man who was doing everything possible to um, excel in his, country, uh, his company. And over his past three weeks, he had built up 52 hours of overtime working on a new project. One night, he slipped in bed. It was 12.30 in the morning, actually. He quietly crawled into bed and slipped into bed next to his new bride, Upon feeling the movement of the bed, his wife woke up just long enough to say to him, you must appetize. Now wanting to wake her up and know more about what she was saying because he was a little confused, he simply said to her, what do you mean? And without missing a beat, she replied, the word wife comes before work. Well... This is a hard lesson to learn, especially in marriage, priorities, and everything else that we do in life. There's an order of progression. And today, as we think back over the past few weeks, and as we have progressed through the study of this particular parable, we have already found and discussed and looked at the first two soils. The first soil is that of being the pathway. The parable of the sower deals with different types of the heart. The pathway soil is the life that is hard and unreceptive to God's word. 
And whether it's a new idea or a new way in life, the thinking of that individual is that of, I have already made up my mind and there's no amount of scripture that's going to change my mind. And we find here that the individual hears the word of God, but the birds come and take that word away. In other words, the devil snatches it away. And if this is your mindset, those of you that listen and view today, or those of us that are in this room, if this is your mindset, the only thing that can break that up as we look at God's word is that of the reign of the Holy Spirit that has to break up that soil in order for the seed to have a chance to enter into the hardness of that soil. Last week, we talked about the rocky soil or the rocky ground. That whole subject's about a lack of depth in our spiritual roots. You get no nourishment. And if that's true, the withering will take place as fast as a sudden growth in your life. That it describes the individual whose life may start out like gangbusters, but it soon fizzles out in their spiritual walk. If this is where you're, you're at today in your progression, then with help and handling and the removing of the rocks, you can develop depth and you can end up providing stability to your Christian walk and your Christian life. This individual is one who receives the word with joy and excitement, but it does not take long and the word dies out. The roots do not gain depth. Today, we come to the soil of the thorny ground. The thorny ground, as it's described in Luke, the eighth chapter, in verses four through eight, and I want us to look at verse number 14, where the word of God says that there was a large crowd that was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus Christ from town after town, the text says. He told this parable. He goes on to say that a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed about, some fell along the path that was trampled upon, and the birds ate it up. He goes on to say that some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture, and other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant out. Still other seed fell on good soil and came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has an ear, let them hear, let them hear. Verse number 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on in their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. So today, as we look at the subject of the thorns and the thorny soil, unlike the wayside soil and the rocky soil, the thorny ground is lush with vegetation. We've all experienced it, and we know what those weeds are like, and, 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 and they create work for us. There is so much uh, that takes place among the weeds. There are things that are growing everywhere, in fact. So much is growing in competing for soil and sun, and the new seed of the word simply gets choked out. It's unable to thrive. 
Maybe I'm describing your life today. Maybe I'm describing a situation or events that are taking place in your heart that you want to do well. Your motivation is to serve Jesus Christ. You want to be an individual that looks after the things of the Lord. You hear the word of the Lord and you go forth. But the things of this world choke you out in your spiritual walk. You see, the need of the rocky soil was deeper roots. And as Christ explains that the needs of the thorny heart is weeding. Weeding must take place. Thorny hearts receive readily the wonderful counsel of God. The person with a thorny heart is excited about beginning new growth. In fact, they put down roots into the soil. The problem with the thorny soil is not the roots. It's not desire. It's not a lack of determination that he or she may have. It's simply competition. Competition. Our home has a lot of Boston ivy on it. The Boston ivy on our house kind of gives it the old world look. Well, that old world look can overtake the house if we're not careful. Two or three times a year, I have to go and trim that Boston ivy. As you can see in the before picture, that was on Wednesday. On Thursday on my day off, that was the after picture. Because what I find out, if I don't give attention and I neglect these vines, or some may call them weeds, they'll grow over the roof. They'll disrupt the gutter, and in some cases, they can even tear the mortar out between the bricks. The point is, is that weeds and vines can take over quite rapidly. In my time of pastoring by Princeton University, it wasn't uncommon for us in the evening to go over and to walk the campus of Princeton University. On that great campus is an outstanding building. It's right there front and center, and it's called NASA Hall. NASA Hall now is the university's main administrative building. Originally, it was completed in the year 1756. It was temporarily the home of the Continental Congress where it first learned the British had signed a peace treaty granting independence to its former colonies. This building is rich with history. And when built, it was actually the largest structure in the colonies. After several fires, <clears throat> one fire being in the year of 1802, the other fire being in the year of 1855. The interior of the building was destroyed, but the building still stands, the exterior. When you look at this building, you see that it's not only NASA Hall, but other buildings that are on that campus that are covered with ivory, covered with that same look that's kind of on my house, but my house is far from looking like this building. You see everywhere in Princeton on the buildings and the walls, and they even use this as ground cover, ivy, to delineate the area where students are not to sit or areas that they can sit. In 1866, planting ivy beneath the wall of NASA Hall became part of each graduating class's tradition. Now a graduating class starts their own area of ivy to grow up the walls of the buildings. 
It is said that the height and the speed of its growth represents the success of that graduating class. Like Ivy, unfortunately, our hearts can go unattended, church. Our lives can go unattended. If we go without the richness of Jesus Christ, and some people go six days a week neglecting their spiritual heart and leaving it to find its own way, and the weeds take over, as Jesus Christ predicted in this parable. As I drive by perfectly plowed fields, I am amazed with what they look like. This particular field is from the country of Israel. And taking a picture of it and seeing the mounds that are perfectly mounded up and waiting for the seed to be planted and to take over. Did you ever wonder why there are mounds of dirt and maybe you do it in your own garden? I have been told that failure to leave enough space of which the farmer calls margins between plants and rows results in challenges. You see, when a garden is overplanted, it's impossible to tend the garden and to tend the weeds that grow around the garden. So therefore, you have margins, you have space. It's also the same in our Christian walk. It's also the same in our lives that we must have margins. And improper margins in life means that we are living at or beyond our limits, leaving no margins or reserves to cope with the conditions that may be around us if we're not careful. Today, we Christians, today, we're in a godly environment. You're in a safe space in this room. And we're happy to have the space that we can come and worship. Soon we'll be back in the sanctuary after some technological issues are dealt with and we'll be ready to move in. But we're in a godly environment, but in a few moments you're going to be in a worldly environment. You're going to be in a culture that may not necessarily accept the way that you live, the values that you have in life, they may not accept the principles of Jesus Christ that are alive in your heart. So what do you do? Christ becomes, in many lives, one among many. Competing ideas that are in our life. Today is the day where sports has affected our church. My children were athletes. And sports were not part of our Sundays, maybe on rare occasions because of a tournament or such. But now families invest thousands, my family, my children, hundreds and hundreds of dollars so their children can play in sports. It molds their character. It gives them opportunity to grow. And it's healthy in many ways. But yet we see that Christ becomes one of among many competing ideas, not just sports but demands upon our lives and visions and motivations that fill our life. The problem with thorny soil is the weeds always outgrow the word. And the weeds can take over in our lives if we're not careful. You see, if that progression and priorities are not in the right place. Weeds grow faster because they don't have to form or support fruit. 
When I look at the ivy on my house and I trim it, it's kind of simple, kind of plain vanilla, kind of worthless, no berries, nothing real attractive other than it gives the house a certain look. A weed's energy is wasted as it produces nothing but work for me, nothing but work for you. And so it is with the things that so dominate our hearts that the real eternal things are choked out often by the things that really do not matter in life. What are the things that don't matter in your life? When I take an introspective view of my heart, I, I, I must ask those same questions. What matters and what does not matter? You see, thorny ground soil is represented by people who have not matured spiritually. They have moved from babies to teenagers, but they don't come to that place of adulthood or spiritual maturity. Some Christians have mixed up priorities because their lives are tangled up with things that they should not be messing with. Things, the weeds that overcome their hearts. Jesus tells us in this 14th chapter or the 14th verse of chapter 8 of Luke. He tells us there's at least two things. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. He says, but as they go on their own way, they're choked out by what? Life's worries. That word hurts some of us today. Worries. And then he speaks about riches and pleasures. And he says, ultimately, the person does not mature. Today, we've experienced maturity. We have watched in the life of Caleb, a young man that has come up through the ranks, and now he moves on from the ranges to the United States Armed Forces. I like and I celebrate maturity like that. But Jesus used the words that we can be choked out by life's worries. You know, worry is simply trouble on credit when you think about it. And there's some people that worry in this place today and some of you that are listening. I'm guilty of it. We are borrowing the trouble of tomorrow by worrying today. The truth is, is that most of the things that we worry about, they don't even materialize. And here is what Jesus said to us about worry in our lives in Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 25th verse through the 31st verse. I want us to look at this text because I feel like it's a text that we need to hear. It's a text that, that reinforces where our lives should be. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass in the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, 
will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worries about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. These are the words of Christ. It sounds like a seminar that you may go to next week or last week, and someone's leading you and telling you how to conduct your life. We are in and living in an age of anxiety, especially after what we've gone through these last few months. And I'll tell you, folks, it's just starting now as we come out of it. The uncertainties of the future, the stabilities that we need in our lives and our church must be exercised. You see, if you do not have a job, we worry about that unless you're sitting at home getting a nice check. And if we have a job, we worry about losing our job. If we don't have any money, we worry about having no money. And if we have money, we worry about, hey, where's it all gone? If we don't have a car, we worry about that. But then if we do have a car, we worry about it breaking down. And if we do not have an education, we worry about that. But if we're getting an education... Some of you students worry about, can I make the grade? Can it happen in my life? If we are sick, we worry about that. But if we're well, we worry about getting sick. We've done that for months. And if we feel a flutter, if we feel a misbeat in our hearts or a pain in our stomach area, we're convinced that we have heart trouble or we have ulcers. A man once said, And when I read this, I thought about many people that I know, and sometimes myself. This person said, I have so many worries that if anything happens to me today, it'll be two weeks before I can get around worrying about it. We live in an age of anxiety. We live in an age of pressure. We live in an age that is overcoming. And and, uh, the, the words of General John Stark... Now, that may, his words may mean absolutely nothing to you, but I've been surrounded by his words all my life because he said these words during the French Revolutionary War, and it's on the license plates of my home state. Live free or die. I know that you and I cannot live necessarily free from all these issues of anxiety, and the worries that we have in life and the concern. But all state insurance, progression assurance, um, the one with the gecko, they all got new advice, devices and apps that you can put on your phone. And these apps will tell you how you can get a discount. Because, for example, being concerned about not having a wreck will cause you to drive safely. Being concerned about driving too fast will get you a cheaper rate for your insurance. Concerns that you have such as that allow you to drive around with a goldfish bowl on the roof of your car 
or a pot of jello because you are so careful and you get a discount. Concerns over becoming sick will cause us to practice good health, hopefully. Concerns about the retirement and the social security of our future will cause us and highly motivate a person to check out their IRA. But the problem is this. It's too easy. It's too easy to let our concerns become cares and to let our forethoughts become fear thoughts because we worry. Even though we want to plan, we want to go through the progression, the progressions in life. We all know that it's a sin to worry. It's, it's evident and it's found in the scripture. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse number six, Paul writes, hey, be, be anxious for nothing. You know, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry. Paul says, don't sweat it. He says, don't allow anything to control your minds that keeps you from functioning. And Paul says, keep calm and carry on. He didn't actually say that. That's not found in the Bible. That was from World War II when the British were getting ready for the war and they were trying to get the people calmed down. You may have thought that was from Scripture, but it's not. We worry in three different ways. I think uh, we worry about things that have already happened. I've learned a long time ago that you can't saw sawdust the byproduct of cutting something. Or worrying about the past is, let me try to give you something that'll help you to remember. It would be like um, trying to put toothpaste back in the tube, okay? That'll help you when you brush your teeth. To start the day out right or to end the day. Because worrying about the past would be like shoving that toothpaste back in the tube. Deeds cannot be undone. There are words that cannot be unsaid. And we must take time and we must think about the model of a man by the name of Lloyd George. Lloyd George was the former prime minister to the UK. He once said that, he said, I've made it a practice of my life to always close the gate behind me. In other words, let's not use today's energy on yesterday's problems. And Jesus says, these type of things will choke out our lives if you're going to spend all your time worrying. The second thing we worry about is we worry over things that uh, will never happen. I've had people um, share with me their worries of their children getting married. Um, you don't like who they picked out? Oh, no, they, they haven't even got to that point yet. I'm just worried about them getting married and leaving home. Some people worry about dying, or worse yet, they worry about growing old. We can't stop life. If I refuse to grow older, then I'm going to die. I know that. As uncomfortable as it may be, and if I refuse to die, then I know I'm going to grow older. Some people worry about things that will never happen. It was the great theologian of Mark Twain who said, I have worried over a great many things in life, the most of which never happened. Why worry? The Apostle Paul goes on to say in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses six through seven, 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God, and the peace of God shall surpass all the weeds in life. And guard your heart and your minds in the things of Jesus Christ, Paul writes us. According to Matthew, the sixth chapter, verses 25 through 34, how do we weed out the worries in our life? Pastor, how do we take care of this? You know, the thorny soil, how is that taken care of? Well, it's taken care of through new perspectives in life. Understand, it's not life more than food and clothing. Develop a new heart, a new understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ. The second thing is to trust God and look to God. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them Matthew says, uh, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, concerning the birds of the air, Heavenly Father takes care of them. Well, that's great. I watch birds, and I know there's birds in my neighborhood that are counting on me because I have feeders out there, and I see them. And they come back, and they love it, but there's months or maybe weeks that I go without refilling the feeders, and they seem to make it in life. They seem to do well. Trust God. He takes care of them. And the third thing is, is understand the value that we have. Because Jesus says, aren't you more important than them? God's going to care for you. And then change our focus. Well, how do you do that? He closes there in Matthew 6.33 by saying, if we want to choke out weeds in our life, if we want to take care of those things and those issues that we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto us. I thank God for this text. You see, worries choke out life, and then he also reminds us the other things that become weeds in our life and choke out our spiritual growth is the riches and the pleasures. There's something in us that always wants more. And the truth is, is that prosperity breeds want in our life. The more we, it seems the more that we uh, have, the more that we want. I'm always intrigued when I go to our inner city campus, Embassy of Hope. And I watch the people there. Uh, not that they're much different than all of us, but there is something that's exercised on that campus. And that is what I witness. And that is the simplicity that is found in poverty and need. The simplicity of just making it. One of the greatest lies that we face in life is that you and I can have it all. You can't. You can't have it all. Because we have choices, and choices require priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Where you put your priorities will govern the peace that you and I have in our hearts. Where are your priorities? Trying to have it all and do it all can kill us. It can rob us of peace, and it can choke out our lives, and more importantly, our spiritual lives. The thorny ground. The thorns in our lives are those little things that choke out the fullness of spiritual blessings. So we tend to forget about keeping up with church sometimes. 
because we may be too busy trying to keep up with our neighbor, our colleague, or the person that lives around us. Too often, we allow material things to capture our thoughts and our feelings and our focus, and that's when we get into the weeds. I remind you of the words of Paul. The words of Paul from a previous um, uh, series that we have just completed. In, in Philippians, the fourth chapter, Paul is thanking the church in Philippi, and he's thanking them for what they have done and for what they provided for him. And then he goes on to say, you know, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances in life may be. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And he says, I have learned the secret of being content in, in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty, whether I'm living in want. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. He is the ultimate uh, weed killer. Jesus Christ is the ultimate, uh, ultimate source that we can have. We must be level-headed, church, in all of our decisions, and we must learn to make the right choices. It's like a salesman who is trying to sell a, wife, a housewife a freezer. And the salesman pointed out, you can save enough money on your food bill to pay for this freezer. And the woman, being level-headed, she said, yes, I, I know that. The woman agreed. But you see, we're paying for our car on the bus fare that we saved. And then we're paying for our washing machine on our laundromat bill that we're saving. And we're paying for a house on the rent that we're saving. We just can't afford to save anymore right now. I believe that she had a well-weeded garden. In Evangel Temple, there has to be growth in our lives, in our Christian walk. I look out and I see the Hall of Famers here. I see every one of you that have made a mark in this world. But we can still let the weeds choke us out if we're not careful. John Stout, a great Anglican theologian, once said, when he was asked what was the greatest need of the church of his day, and his answer was a great answer, and it's one that applies to our life today in these post-COVID days, the uncertainty, the anxiousness in our world. He said the church needs greater numbers of deep Christians, Christians that are not shallow, that are not superficial, but deep and committed. May we be like the psalmist in Psalm 51. The psalmist said, Lord, create in me a new heart. Change my heart today. And the psalmist was writing concerning the shortcomings in his life. Those of you that are listening today, those that sit in this room, today's a day of weeding out. Today's a day of looking to Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to create in us a new heart. That growth would take place in 
our lives. Living in Princeton, New Jersey, not only did I become acquainted with Ivy, but I became acquainted with many of Albert Einstein's stories that are passed in that community. In the course of their conversation one night at a dinner party, I heard the story of Albert Einstein's young neighbor, and she asked this white-haired scientist, so what are you actually by profession? And he looked at this young lady and he said, I devote myself to the study of physics. That was his reply. The girl looked straight at him in astonishment. And she said, you mean to say you study physics at your age? She exclaimed. I just finished my studies of physics last year. Well, some Christians, those that are listening, maybe those that are here today are like this young girl. They're often content not to grow, often content to stay status quo. They are content to be a spiritual infant. May we continue to study his word. It's time for us to make choices in our lives. You cannot do it all. We need margins in our life. We need undivided hearts. We need hearts that are weeded. Spiritual maturity will bring wisdom to distinguish thorns from good plants that will bear fruit. May we be those plants. Let us pray together.